Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre, and this week I'm flying solo on the episode. Joining us on today's episode is Lynn Cladburn, who's the Programme Director at the Cambridge and Norwich Tech Corridor. So I'm really looking forward to learning just more about the, the tech corridor, you know, what it's all about, its objectives, how it's measured, um, and maybe get Lynn's perspective on demand for office space and how that might have changed with the, the advent of COVID. So I'm sure it's going to be a really good conversation. Lynn, thanks so much for spending the time to come on the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, why don't we start with a, just learning a little bit more about you and your background? Yeah, thanks, James. Um, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, me and my background. Well, I suppose I probably come come at this job perhaps from a, from a slightly different background um, to, to some of my colleagues. I have now lived in the UK for nearly eleven years, um, and I'm Swedish originally. I'm still a Swedish citizen. So um, I moved here just just about 11 years ago. My husband is, is British and, you know, we'd spent a fair few years traveling around the world as, as ski bums. Uh, and it was sort of time to uh, to settle down and get a proper job and all of that. So uh, I had or have a, a science degree in the back in, sort of in the background, uh, environmental science degree, moved to the UK and sort of because I'd, I'd worked in, in research for a, for a large Swedish university, uh, I sort of came into the offshore wind power space originally uh, and did a lot of work with what was then the East of England Development Agency around researching the opportunities for offshore wind power in, in Norfolk and Suffolk um, and kind of fairly quickly after that moved into moving into engineering and manufacturing um, and and worked again for for a Norwich based business for for a few years uh, spent a lot of time in China manufacturing large bits of equipment for um, for the steel industry and for oil and gas um, just a bit of a bit of a change for me who'd been working kind of more of the environmental space for a long time and then sort of I think I, I guess I have had a little bit of an odd career because then I sort of wanted to get back into the more um, environmental low carbon space so i i started working for uh, an investment fund called the low carbon innovation fund um that covered all of the east of england uh, early stage investments into any type of low tech green tech um and i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the whole kind of investment space seeing seeing early stage companies kind of throw, going through that growth, uh, working with them to, to look at their strategies and the, how they were just, you know, planning to take products and, and services to market, how we could support them with, with various funding 
obviously the, the money we had ourselves, but also working with other investors from, you know, across the UK to support these businesses to grow. Uh, and a part of, of what I did there was was to, to help set up the structures for a new UK-China VC fund, which is all about investing into green tech that had sort of scalability in, in the Chinese market. And that fund is now operating up and running. Um, and really from that, I guess, I sort of transitioned into the role of what I'm doing now as the, as the program director. Uh, and, uh, and so I guess my background is, is a little bit different because obviously the Cambridge Norris Tech Corridor is a sort of public-private partnership, but really this is my first job in, in the public sector. Um, so I, I, guess, I guess it's a little bit different perhaps from some of my colleagues, but I think it also brings a little bit of a different perspective on how we grow as a region. Yeah, that's fascinating. So very varied, very global in its nature. So it's, uh, you've uh, you've achieved a lot by the sounds of it. I've had a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, spend, spending a few years travelling around with them, where where you have all your things in one snowboard bag is it's 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 pretty good fun. <laughs> Living the dream of uh, travelling with a laptop and working. So maybe um, for the uninitiated, why don't you um, explain to me the uh, the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor? What, what's that about and why is it important for the region? Yeah, so the, the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor is, is a really interesting initiative and a really interesting project. And it has evolved massively. So when I started uh, with Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor about three years ago, it was very much in its infancy. Uh, it, it was at that point also very much driven by the public sector uh, and and really it came off on the, on the back of the duelling of the A11 really you know a lot of money was spent by government to duel the A11 to improve the links between Cambridge and Norwich and it was a bit of okay well was we'll what next then? So what do we do with this? Does this give people uh, a reason to travel? Does this, you know, uh, actually going to drive investment into the region? So that's that was kind of the, the background thinking for, for the Cambridge Norris Tech Corridor. So when I came in, it was very much an inward investment play. It was all about attracting more businesses and more investment and more development uh, into into the region and uh, you know like someone said a bit of a a, a commercial property play in in disguise and you know I, I sort of obviously came in came in from from having worked in in venture capital and and sort of a different type of investment and so so quite early on I sort of really assessed what what the tech corridor was all about and what it should be about and what it could kind of achieve and and there's definitely you know a big inward investment play or investment play but really rather than just looking at investment as trying to attract more businesses more people into the region what i felt was really important was to look at what we what we already have in the region and to see what we can do in order to support the people who are already here. Uh, and I think that was potentially 
well it was it was a bit of a shift from originally was 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 kind of thought to be or expected to be but you know if anyone who's who's run a business knows that it's easier to keep your existing customers coming back and buying more from you rather than constantly trying to be out kind of getting new customers in so that that was kind of one aspect of it it was like okay well we we have something really really good here we have something we have all the kind of bits of something incredibly successful how do we nurture that and then secondly it was okay well if we're thinking about sort of selling in inverted commas the the tech corridor and that wider region what we need to make sure is that you know the experience when you get here, if you come here as an investor, if you come here as an individual, if you come here as a business, we want that brand to match or the experience to match the brand. Uh, you know, we, 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 it's, everyone knows this. It's not enough to just st- stick a nice logo on something and think that it's going to sell. So, the sort of second bit for me was to think about, all right, well, how do we create that right type of environment for people to thrive and grow in? Um, and, you know, what what is the role of the private sector? What's the role of the public sector in terms of creating a successful environment? So, and and when I talk about environment, that's both, you know, a physical environment, you know, what what do you need as a business in terms of broadband, public transport, those sort of things, but also the kind of less tangible, the more kind of virtual environment where the grants, uh, the investor community, the networks, all of those aspects as well. And also really importantly is, you know, at the end of the day, all businesses are run by people. So what's that kind of livability story as well? Because, you know, if you have an amazing business environment, but there is nowhere for people to live or the schools just aren't good enough, well, then it's just not going to work. So I think we, we kind of started thinking about it a lot more holistically. So are you, so are you kind of effectively scouting the region and showcasing you know the best of the area or are you also in addition kind of influencing policy work and kind of uh you know the the, the decision making of local authority or central government are you doing both of those things exactly so that's the kind of thing with with the with the tech corridor we kind of work at many different levels which makes it quite quite interesting i think you know some of the things I've talked about there around sort of inward investment and attracting people and, and businesses to the region, yes, that's about telling the right stories to the right people, uh, lifting out all of those really good things that we have. And I think a thing that we do that no one else sort of done before is kind of looking at the patterns across the region. So you have an interesting story in Norwich, you have an interesting story in Cambridge, but actually what we can do as the tech corridor, we can bring those two things together and say, look, you've got several people in the similar sort of space and now you kind of have a much bigger story. So it's about bringing things together in order to kind of enhance it. So that's definitely one part. But then when we start talking about the business environment, you're absolutely right, James. That's 
a communication into government, that's a communication into a local authorities, but it's also about talking to some of the private sector um, stakeholders. So your commercial property developers, for example, you know, do you do they understand exactly what type of um, what type of space is available um, or what what type of space people are looking for, um, I should say, what, which companies are growing and therefore how do they create the right type of, of commercial property space for them. And then, you know, the, the sort of, I think the thing that makes us a bit different as well is, is that kind of last layer of it uh, where we work with people and businesses in the tech corridor as well and we you know try to create that community and that network so that anyone who comes into the tech corridor feels like they're coming into a business community as well so it's it's not just something that that sort of sits uh sort of above people it's actually trying to bring people in and make people feel part of that community. And, you know, you know as well as I do that people sell to people. And what what we want is we want businesses and we want people to feel like they're benefiting from being in the tech corridor, that we can, they're part of a community and they can kind of sell that community to the people they work with as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, which prompts a kind of supplementary question, um, you know, is how, how has COVID then affected that strategy or that vision? I mean, a couple of specific, you know, kind of questions that, you know, we're trying to figure out ourselves, actually, is like, you know, the first one is, you know, do you see a long term um, change in the demand for, you know, office space, should we say, um, you know, especially for larger single occupancy, you know, offices versus flexible working space. And then maybe the second question um, is, you know, do you believe some of the kind of theory that people might be, you know, moving out of cities and wanting to live more kind of rurally or, you know, uh, where, you know, where regions like ours are ideally positioned geographically to take advantage of that, because there's still commutable obviously into London. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think it's a little bit too early to tell uh, to be be sort of. A, <laughs> I sound like a politician, don't I? But but I think it's those are the, those, it's a little bit too early to tell probably what exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and and you know, and I was talking to to a colleague um, who who works in, in sort of master planning and stuff, and and he he's he made a really good comment and that was that you know at the moment we are still working on saved capital and and in terms of sort of social capital we you know we have been able to do this whole year of working flexibly and not seeing each other and getting to know people over zoom and stuff because we already have a lot of those relationships that we're with the people we're working with. So, you know, if you, if you think about how many brand new people you get to know in a year compared to how many brand new people you, you got to know this year, uh, you know, I think that it's fine for a certain amount of time to be working flexibly and working from home, but actually we will see that more and more people will need a bit of time together in offices because you just kind of lose that 
relationship with new members of staff, new members of teams kind of coming in that you don't have a chance to build a proper relationship with. So I think we're kind of living on saved capital. I would like to think that it won't go back to exactly what it was uh, in terms of everyone sort of getting in the cars in the morning and commuting. Um, But I do think that there's going to be some sort of blended model uh, of people having office space where they can come together and meet up, be that once a week, once every two weeks. Uh, but, But hopefully also combining that with the working from home. So in terms of space, I mean, what we see a kind of consistent demand for is obviously anything that is lab related. You know, that, that's that's something that you, you can't do from home as much as you <laughs> love to do do science experiments in the kitchen. It's, it, it, you know, that, that sort of thing is, is definitely still, still uh, in really high demand. I would think that probably, you know, your massive kind of offices where everyone comes in and out, uh, I, I don't see those being necessarily as, as popular in the future. But, I, you know, we are definitely hearing more and more people talking about that sort of flexible office space. You know, um, I live in a small market town. It would be ideal if there was a space in my market town where I could go and work from a different environment a couple of days per per week. You know, if there were cubicles where you could go in and close the door so you can do your Zoom meeting. And 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 just I, I you know, I think I think hopefully that's something that we're going to be seeing because I think that would compensate for that kind of lack of social interaction. But like I said, I think it's still a little bit too early to to say. We've, you know, obviously heard about people moving out of the big cities. We've seen it to some extent, but not like a mass exodus kind of from the cities. Um, And, you know, there, there have been some some articles in the news recently and and people kind of writing blogs and stuff saying that you know if people aren't in the office in London should we pay them as much and I think if employers start thinking that way then employees will probably start thinking well hmm, do I want to take that cut in salary to live somewhere else so it will be interesting I mean I'm just watching uh with great interest at the moment. Yeah, no, likewise. So, I mean, when you cover such a large surface area then, how how do you measure success? You know, what does good look like for your program over the next couple of years? Uh, it's an excellent question. And I think... Um, I think it, it's it's challenging to to sort of say exactly what, what good looks like because it also depends on... Um, who, what, what kind of lens you're looking at the tech corridors through? So you know, a good uh, or success from our pub- public sector stakeholders' point of view uh, is is really at the moment all around government recognition. 
Um, and, and, you know, and I think it's really important for, for us as the tech corridor with two big R&D hubs in particular, that government recognition, because uh, as you know, it's all about the leveling up agenda and there's a really kind of strong R&D science part to that R&D, uh, to that leveling up agenda. It's leveling up through kind of high value knowledge economy and, you know, how do we level up without leveling down in certain places? And, you know, and, and I think Cambridge in particular is, is a location that is concerned about a potential leveling down in order for other parts of the UK to level up. Um, so, you know, from, from the public sector point of view, getting that recognition from government of the importance of our contribution to the UK PLC and how we can, you know, level up by not leveling down, but to improve the linkages between really successful R&D locations like Cambridge and Norwich um, with, with the sort of more challenged locations that could really do with uh, the leveling up support. So, so that's, you know, from, from a public sector point of view, that piece is, is really big at the moment. Um, you know, it, it's challenging because the East of England is, is essentially competing against the North uh, to a great extent. So, you know, how do we get recognised? How do we make sure that, you know, funding comes here and continues to be invested into the science and the research. Um, but then if you look at, look at the kind of private sector and, um, you know, it's how we measure success is, is around, it's around the, the growth really. You know, if, if we're coming down to hard KPIs, it's about looking at economic growth, uh, individual investments, overarching trends, I mean, we, we had seen quite a nice sort of increase in the amount of private sector investment going into the region. We're waiting, I guess, to, to see what 2020 um, was like, but it's, it's probably, <laughs> probably, you know, out of our control what, what happened in 2020 and probably part of 2021. But, you know, it's about looking at those, those bigger uh, bigger trends and then individual successes. I think from from you know from us as a team, um, who who you know drive the tech corridor agenda. For us, success is also to have businesses want to be part of what we do and individuals to be part of what they do, and and to you know to have. People say that, you know, I'm really proud to be based in Snetterton or Thetford or Bury St. Edmunds as part of the tech corridor. And, you know, I have chosen to set up my business here. I've chosen to move my family here. And I know that's not very tangible, kind of, it's, it's sort of soft metrics. But I think from our point of view, that, that's really success. You know, when we see a business making the decision to set up here or grow here or, you know, invest into apprenticeships in the region, that is success because that's, you know, inclusive economic growth really, um, ultimately. 
just to pause the conversation a second and tell you a little bit more about the changes we're making at the Bradfield Centre, we now offer a whole range of new flexible membership packages which support homeworkers, hybrid homeworking blended with access to high quality office space and meeting room hire by the hour. Starting from as little as £45 per month, visit bradfieldcentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. We've been trying to, you know, through our partnerships with folks like Tech East and and others and Tech Nation, you know, we've been trying to strengthen the ties between the Bradfield Centre and Norwich in particular. Um, you know, there's some nice examples of events that we put together, and also we've had companies like Spectral Edge that have got roots into Norwich, uh, UEA, and um, some of the winners of the Trinity Bradfield Prize in 2019 had uh, Norwich roots as well, actually. So. I mean, what you know? What would your message be for you know companies based in the Bradfield Centre or or in the Cambridge Tech ecosystem more broadly? You know, why why should they get in? How can they get involved? Why should they get involved? You know, what what what, what, what how can you help them? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think there there are, there are several different things. I think you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's the thing, uh, you know, Cambridge is incredibly successful uh, and, and Cambridge could, you know, be absolutely fine on its own. I think the thing is there is an awful lot of untapped potential and a lot of uh, creativity. And, you know, you, you mentioned Norwich, but you also have that kind of wider expanse along the tech corridor with really, really interesting business. And I think a lot of it, has just been and is remains kind of hidden, if you like. Uh, and I think there's a great deal of opportunity for Cambridge businesses to actually accelerate their own growth by working with companies in the tech corridor. And I think we just need to make that opportunity more uh, more visible. You know, just just as examples, you know, we know that. Space is expensive in Cambridge. We know that you know there are challenges around kind of physically growing your your business in Cambridge. Well, you know if you look up the corridor, there are plenty of businesses that are there to support a manufacturing supply chain, for example, or you know where there is actually a lot more kind of lower cost space, but also some really, really extraordinary capabilities uh, and knowledge that I just think complements Cambridge really, really well. Um, and so that's kind of what we want to want to draw out and put at the forefront and want to sort of encourage those sort of working relationships and we've already done it, it you know through so what we do with the tech corridor is we run a number of different programs um one of the things we do is all around supporting businesses to access uh, like innovate uk grants by helping them build consortium so we put together a really exciting consortium before christmas with researchers from the institute for manufacturing and I think it was five or six manufacturing companies across Norfolk and Suffolk um, to do a really, really interesting project. Uh, and and those, you know, the researchers in Cambridge were really excited because actually this was an opportunity for them to test something that they wanted to test. And those 
manufacturing businesses were really excited because it was an opportunity for them to work with really, you know, high end, uh, um, cutting edge research. And, and that was, um, those are the sort of things that, you know, is a real opportunity uh, for everyone. Um, you know, it's not just for for the Cambridge company or the Norwich company. It's 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 kind of that that collective. Um, so so why would why should you care if you're a, a Cambridge based company? Well, I think there's a lot of opportunity to find some really really interesting collaboration partners. I think there's a lot of complementing skills and knowledge that you know. If, if sort of put together or sort of introduced to each other, could could, could really be be game changing. Um, and then you know, how do you get involved? Well, like I said, we run several different pro- programs. Uh, we run an ambassador program, which you know normally we would be meeting up and having having coffee and drinks together. But twenty uh, twenty kind of didn't really help that but hopefully we'll be back to doing that um uh, and you know we run an investment platform for example which we'll be launching in a uh, as an online platform in the next few weeks so it's all about sort of helping people build connections to that investment platform is that seed investment is that it will be so what it is is um we're using a platform called delio what we're aiming to do with it is just to make that connection between business looking for investment and investor, kind of showcase what's available in the region. So we're making it regional um, and it will go everything from seed all the way through to essentially PE. So it's it's for any business, obviously, then you can sort of slice and dice as you come, come into the platform to see whatever types of deals you're interested in. But... But but really, what it is is that we kind of found, in particular, last year where there were less opportunities for people to do kind of face to face pitching events, that uh, having some sort of online presence that could just help people get their message out, help them to, you know, be b- part of a bigger collective um of other businesses as well so that yeah that's again something that will be be launching in the next few weeks it's just being under development at the moment okay exciting so yeah so how can how just kind of wrapping up then how can people find out more how can they get involved yeah so i i would say you know a really good way to to get involved is to to go to our website uh or any of our social media channels sign up to our newsletter uh, and in the newsletter which comes out every Friday what we do is a bit of a um, kind of roundup of all the kind of main news across the region but also in there are all of the different kind of programs that we run uh, and it's you know it's 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 an interesting well first of all I should say that you know there, there is also the opportunity there to to sort of sign up as as an ambassador which means that you get a little bit more of that sort of behind the scenes information about what we're doing and then you know there are kind of different levels of engagement you know it's like everything you can choose kind of how involved where you want to be but 
you know, there, there's opportunities to get involved on the sort of lobbying side, the kind of communications with government is something we're really keen on to, you know, when we talk to government about the levelling up agenda, um, to have businesses with us who, you know, have a view or echo our view or we can work together with is really, really powerful. Um, so, you know, there's that opportunity. There's also the more kind of information and knowledge sharing. So say you're a commercial property developer and you want to find out some really, really in-depth data about the tech corridor and what type of companies are growing in different places, where you might want to invest, etc. We kind of, we have a lot of that knowledge. We have that expertise. We can share that with people. Um, and then it's the sort of individual programs um, that, that people can get involved with as well. Uh, so it's kind of to come to us and we can kind of figure out where you fit, fit best, if that makes sense. That's really, that's a really woolly way to, to put it. But, um, you know, what, one thing we have found over the last year is that we get a lot of people just coming to us and saying, look, I have this challenge or, you know, I'm looking to do this. What can you do to help? And I, and the thing is, we are incredibly well connected into all sorts of different organizations, everything from big corporates down to, you know, the local authorities through to networks like Tech East and um, Tech Nation, so we're quite sort of well-placed to give people that sort of triage. And sometimes it's not us who's the best play, place to, to kind of give them the support. But I pretty much guarantee that we will have the phone number to the person you need to speak to in order to get the support you need for your business. And I guess that's a bit of a change this year compared to previously. But we found that that's really, really important. People just need to talk to someone who can help them. So that's something that we've we've been doing a lot this year, kind of connecting people, putting people together, and just just having that conversation about how we can improve um, the the conditions for their business to operate in. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for making the time to come on. Hopefully off the back of this, you know, people will be reaching out and you'll be having a whole bunch more of those conversations. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me, James. It's been a real pleasure. And eventually this year, perhaps we can have a, an, an in-person podcast as well. Who knows? So another really interesting conversation with Lynn. Um, really interested to get her perspective on the COVID situation. And obviously, you know, I, I agree it's a little bit too early to be definitive in terms of how things might shake out, but uh, interesting to get some perspective there, especially around that the, that conversation with uh, banked capital uh, and the fact that maybe not so much new business has been struck up uh, during the lockdown. It'll be interesting to see how that changes as we come out. Um, just also just the sheer breadth of the remit um, Lynn has, you know, covering a huge service area there. Um, but sounds like there's lots to do. Um, so if you do want to get involved, uh, obviously check them out on social and on their website. Um, I'm sure Lynn would uh, welcome your input.
So thanks once again to Lynn for coming on to the show. Uh, the show was produced by Cole Homer of Cambridge TV. You can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Brattle Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much every platform that offers podcasts. And please just take a couple of seconds to give us a five-star review. It'll really help with the visibility of the show. 